Hey y'all, it's Joe and V, and you're listening to the Good Girl Steel podcast. We are here to guide you wherever you are in life by sharing with you how you can be a good girl and go after exactly what you want. Blakely and I have found that with God on our side, we have been able to be authentic within every aspect of life. We're here to encourage and empower you to do the same. Let's go. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Good Girl Still podcast. It's Joe and B. We're here to talk a little bit about our recruiting story, coaching changes, and Blakely's transfer story. Um, we honestly have just thought about kind of all the questions that have been asked, um, everything that we've kind of learned from camps and stuff like that. And one of the most asked questions is recruiting. And so we just wanted to kind of share how we got recruited and how everybody's story is really different. Um, There's really not one right way to do it. Um, So I got recruited my sophomore year in high school um, and I got recruited at a clinic. So I decided to do like a hitting clinic. Um, UF was having like Friday night clinics that I would go to. Um, And then from there after, you know, coach Walton and the rest of the staff were pursuing me. Um, I kind of just put all my eggs in one basket. I wouldn't recommend doing that, but it worked out for me. Um, I had a few other schools that I was looking into, but I truly just felt like God was really pointing me towards UF. Um, and from then on, it was just um, communicating back and forth with the coaches and they would come to tournaments. They came to a couple of my high school games. And from then on, it's just building a relationship with um, the people that you're talking to, the the coaches that are eventually going to become your coaches. And then I had my unofficial visit, my official visit, and I signed my national national letter of intent, which we'll talk a little bit about at the end. Um, but my story is very simple. It's nothing crazy. Um, I was very heavy in travel ball. I traveled all over the country and um, it was just a fun time. So you know, it's really important too to understand that even if you're going to a camp and understanding that you might be going to a Florida camp, for example, well, other schools come to those camps, especially at big schools mm-hmm. like that. I mean, that's how my story started. Yeah. I was actually at an FSU camp and I was, it was like a hitting clinic actually. And the assistant coach at the time that was at USC Upstate, which was the school I went to my freshman year. And she saw me there and was like, approached me after the camp and was like, yeah, I, uh, I think our coaches would really be interested in you. I think you would be a great fit for our program. I'm going to give your name, pass your name off and, you know, we'll go from there. Well, I didn't really hear anything else. And I actually was playing in a tournament in Lake city, Florida, probably about three weeks later. And, um, Brian Pack, the assistant coach at USC upstate was actually watching my game. And he walked up to me at the end and was like, hey, like, what's your name? It, everything that a coach normally asks you when they're yeah. first meeting you. And I told him my name and where I was from and all this kind of stuff. And he was like, oh, yeah, you're on our board. Like, coach so-and-so told us about you at the FSU camp, this, that, and the other. And that was, like, my first avenue mm-hmm. um, to Upstate. So it's kind of cool. There is a little bit of. I guess leeway you can say with junior colleges. Um, junior college rules are great. Yeah, they, they're very open. Yeah, you can kind of do really anything with them, 
which is fantastic. It's one of the things that is my favorite because they don't have to walk on eggshells about things. Yeah. Um, when you're working with a Division One school, you obviously know it can be kind of they're very hard. Yeah, they're very specific about, you know, how you communicate. And we're going to talk about that because – um, maybe there's some girls out there you don't know. You're probably maybe you're super young and you're not really there yet. Um, so Blakely's gonna tell just a few rules about you know communicating and kind of the differences between D1, D2, D3, and JUCO schools and kind of what you're allowed to do as far as talking to coaches and communicating with them in different ways. So with a junior college, like I said, it's wide open. You can pick up the phone when you're 14 years old and give a call, give a call to a coach and they can pick up, they can call you back. It's, it's really, when I say it's wide open, it truly is wide open. When you get into division two, II, division one, it kind of starts to get a little bit more sticky. Um, you cannot have contact recruiting wise with a coach until September 1st of your junior year of high school. It actually used to be different for Jordan and I, um, because we could actually talk to coaches before that. Yeah. But now you can't do that. Even if you're on campus at a camp, like sometimes you'll hear people say, well, I talked to so-and-so and she wants me to come onto the team and told me <laughs> I could have this much money. They're blowing smoke up your tail because now you can't do that. You can't go on campus and talk money with a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old. Right. Not legally, you can't. And it's just, but, it's it's more so to protect you so you're not you're not committing to anything too early. I know... For me, I was only a sophomore and I felt like it took, it felt like years until I actually got to UF. And I think as a young girl, so many things can change from the time that you're making that life-changing decision to the time that you actually get there. Luckily, you know, I was, you know, I didn't want to change my mind. I still wanted to go there, but I know that there's been certain situations where girls commit even younger than that and a verbal commit is totally different than um actually signing that paper but still it's it's you know you're you're throwing your eggs in that one basket and it can be um a good thing or it could be a bad thing so it's just it's really just to protect you it's not um and and to protect you know schools and you know the NCAA in general um, so we also wanted to talk a little bit about like, you know, ways that you can get recruited. So for me, I went to camps, uh, Blakely went to camps. Um, I have a friend, her name's Bailey. She plays, <laughs> we have a story about Blakely's, uh, recruiting process, um, because she actually had to go through it, you know, twice. But, um, my friend Bailey actually sent in a video to her school that she attends now. She goes to East Carolina. Um, and then they came to a tournament and she went on her unofficial visit right after that. So everybody's story is super different. It's all about kind of what works for you. I never did videos. I never really sent in a lot of emails. I did a few here and there, but from the perspective of playing at a division one, I, I know how many emails my coach is getting daily and I know he's not able to read all of them. So uh, with kind of where we are in our generation right now, I see a lot of kids using social media to their advantage, kind of marketing themselves, which is really interesting and kind of cool. It's different. Um, it's it's kind of allowing coaches to see players um, quickly and not having to travel. And yeah, um, so it's really cool to see how it's it's just changed so much since 
Blakely and I were getting recruited. And um, so you can send an email. You can send, you know, you can call coaches. Blakely liked to call coaches. Um, yeah, I used to pick up the phone and leave a voicemail. Like like I said, um, you can't, like, they can't call you. They right. They can't pick up the phone and call you. But I used to pick up the phone and call a coach and say, Hey, Coach, my name is Blakely Birch. I am a shortstop from Live Oak, Florida. I play on this travel ball team. Give my information, and I'd go, okay, I'm going to call you back at 2 p.m. My name is Blakely Birch. At this number, I'm going to call you back at 2 p.m. Yeah. And so, like, if they wanted to either block my phone or pick up the phone at 2 p.m. to talk with me, that was – they were allowed to do that. Right. Yeah, so – Blakely also has a story about, we love, you know, like hearing stories where girls would literally do anything that they can to just get seen. Like you just want to be seen when you're getting recruited. And I don't have any crazy stories. I honestly just relied on my talent and that I could hit a ball really far. Um, But Blakely has a few stories that are priceless, like things that I would never do and this just goes back to literally just being yourself because Blakely would do this regardless if she was trying to get recruited either she's just hilarious so I love the story share it go ahead so okay so I actually thought I was going to play collegiate softball excuse me collegiate soccer Mm -hmm. until I was a junior in high school so up until that time I kind of was putting everything into soccer. I still played travel ball. I still played five sports in high school. I was mm-hmm. involved in a lot of things. But I kind of woke up one day and was like, I love softball. I don't want to play soccer in college because I love playing the game of softball. So I <laughs> I had contacted a couple coaches that were going to be at this Georgia camp. And my dad and I were brainstorming before the camp. They were like, we were sitting on the couch. And, you know, he's like, all right, so this is what we're going to do and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, what can I do to make me stand out in the first impression thing? So if you've ever gone to a camp before, a softball camp, it's a lot like any other sport camp that you walk up, you know, to the sign-in booth, get your name tag, where you're staying, what team you're on, that kind of thing, all that information. So me and my dad are sitting there and we're like, we can make you look like a coach. (laughs) (laughs) and so like I was like all right cool let's do it like I mean if anything they'll definitely notice me like it might not be for what I want but they'll look at me was this before um you went to upstate or okay yes so I was like like I was probably 16 17 years old 125 pounds she's tiny tiny so tiny in high school and I've got you know the Nike polo the Nike golf shorts coming up and the one of the players at the front desk were like so who are you representing and I I remember looking at my dad like with a side eye and just being like I'm a camper (laughs) and so like it was just really funny because I actually got approached by the head coach like not long after I got my information and all this kind of stuff so there are different ways you can go about it to getting um, looked at, I guess. I think that's so, like, cool, though, because it can be such a um, stressful experience when you're trying to find a place. It's a lot of pressure. Like, you're trying to um, find a place for yourself, and it's such a big, like I said, life-changing thing and oh decision. And I felt like you just tried to find the 
really the joy in it all. Yeah, yeah, like just have fun. I wanted to find a home. I didn't want to find just another place to play ball. I wanted to find a home for myself. So while also representing an awesome school. Yeah. But at the same time, I was, I, and I mean, if anybody knows my parents, they're very like supportive of anything that Baylor and I wanted to do growing up. I think that (laughs) if my dad always joked around, if we used to ride horses and he was like, if that's what you wanted to do, we could pull a trailer all across the country. You know what I mean? So that was something that when we were brainstorming that it's a memory I'll probably have until the day I die. Yeah. I don't have stories like that. I was panicking every time. (laughs) No, I didn't panic, but yeah, I I don't know how you did it. I would be like (laughs) so serious. I was the serious kid, super shy. Oh my gosh. I've grown so much. I've grown. Um, so that I, think that kind of kind of segues into like communication and ways that you guys can properly communicate with these coaches um this is such an easy way to get the attention of a coach if you have proper communication skills whether it be verbal or nonverbal, um that can easily get you know get you where you want to be when it comes to the attention of the coach because let's face it they have thousands of kids that want their attention and they can't give it to everyone. Um, so we just wrote down a few kind of important things um, that we felt were valuable that you can take with you when you're going to camps or anything at tournaments. Um, like we said, you can't talk about, you know, going to a school, but you can easily go up to a coach and ask them, you know, how how was their travel? How are they doing? Just build that relationship with them so that they'll remember you. Um, so First things first, eye contact. That's like the number one thing that I have to like really uh, instill in my girls when I'm giving them lessons. No matter if they're five years old or 18 years old about to go to college, if I can't get you to look me in my eyes when I'm talking to you, then I honestly don't want to talk to you. Like that's just how it is. Um, and that can be exactly it's showing that you are intent with what the person in front of you is communicating 100% so if Jordan and I are speaking I'm not looking above her head over her left <laughs> and right shoulder looking at my phone all oh these no things because I'm showing her respect that I actually care what she's saying yeah um another thing and I think this is kind of like I don't know I feel like this has gotten a, a little bit lost but a good handshake you guys have to have a good firm handshake that's just like a good way to I don't know like if we're allowed to ever use a handshake again. I know. <laughs> now that I think about that, I'm like, man. You're right. Be able to shake hands. But it's so true, though. Like, no coach. I mean, a coach doesn't want someone that is timid and not sure of themselves. Yeah. You know, a coach wants confidence. If you have confidence in yourself, you're going to be okay. I think you can still also be a quiet kid and be confident at the same time. Absolutely. We always... I mean, this podcast is about being yourself and be authentic to who you are, but you can also grow as an individual. I was that quiet kid. I, you know, wasn't, I was a, I'm more of the listener. I'm not the person that's, you know, talking all the time. And I feel like Blakely's opposite. She felt like she had to use her voice to, uh, to really stand out. And that was her thing. Like, she's just a little, like, She's loud. She's talking all the time on the field. It doesn't matter what's going on. For me, I had to grow into that. And um, that's such a good way to 
definitely be confident, but be yourself. If you're not a talkative gal, um, just have some substance in your conversations with these coaches. That's the biggest thing. Um, if you're that girl that is super confident in herself mm-hmm. and likes to speak, understanding when's a good time to oh, speak yeah. and when is a great time to be quiet and listen. Yeah, that's um, a good point. That was something that I had to learn because, like Joe said, I'm a very verbal person. I was a quote-unquote late bloomer mm-hmm. in high school. I grew in high school, which was weird for a girl. I was really, really tiny my freshman year. And by the time I was a senior, I still was pretty small. Yeah. I grew in college. So I had to show my, my strengths in the way I played, the way I communicated with other people, being scrappy, yep. being hard. Like all of those things is what made me stand out. To Her, get yeah. To your time. voice and your work ethic really set you apart despite your size. I think it, you definitely show that in everything that you do. Cause I remember how small you were. I've always been the big kid. So I'm on that opposite end of the spectrum. You know, I'm not, I wasn't ever struggling to grow or anything like that. So I think it's cool that we both kind of, you were growing into your size and I was growing into my voice. It's just kind of neat to look back on. And also one thing that we really want you guys to know is like body language is half, you know, half of the communication that you're going to have with these coaches. And honestly, I'm going to be totally real with you guys. I struggled with, um, I struggled with this when I went to college, my coach would get on my butt 24 seven, like your body language sucks. It sucks. Jordan. He'd tell me like every day, your body, change your face, change your body. You look, you look this, you look that. And he wasn't nagging. He was being real because When you look at someone, that's the first way you communicate with someone. It just goes back to the eye contact. So I had to learn how to, you know, change my face and change my body to look the way that I actually felt because I didn't, you know, it it didn't always correlate. I may have looked like I was tired or I didn't want to be there, but in my mind, I'm like, shoot, I don't want to be anywhere else. You're really tall too. Like that happens a lot with especially women who are tall, their postures, like the way their My posture's is horrible. Your posture's terrible. And, I mean, Baylor is, I joke around because a lot of times people think she's the older sister and she's <laughs> years younger than me because I'm 5'6", five, 5'7", five, on a good day, and Baylor's 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, yeah. Super tall. And I get onto her about it, too, because of posture. But it's something that is, it can either, you look at someone and you're like, oh, very approachable, oh, don't want to be here. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have to really get on to my girls about that just because I know how, um, and I tell them, I'm like, I was the same way. You just have to figure out how to be better at that. Um, and then definitely speak for yourself. Um, we know there's a lot of you, that a lot of you that are, you're all different. Some of you are comfortable with your own voice. Some of you like your to have your parents talk for you. Um, definitely try to kind of grow out of that. Get used to speaking for yourself. Coaches want to get to know you. They they love your parents, but they don't really want to get to know your parents when they're trying to talk to you. They don't want you to be. Wear the yeah. So. When a coach is speaking to you and asking you questions and when he or she is making eye contact with you while doing that, that isn't a cue for mom or dad 
to be standing off to the left or right and answer for you. Yeah. Um, just because I see that a lot, even at camps, you know, when oh, yeah. uh, campers and parents come up and get pictures with coaches at the end or players even. And that you'll, you'll see that all the time, even if players like players of the school will turn and say, did you enjoy it? And then mom jumps in and says, yeah, she loved it. It was great. She had a great time. You know, yeah, like, no, that's, that's not great. Cool. We love parents. We love moms. We love dads. They, you guys would not be able to play the game that you do, or we wouldn't be able to play the game that we have without our mom and dad. Right. It wouldn't be possible. So just keep that in mind when you're being approached by someone, even mm-hmm. just of any authority, really. It's not, it doesn't have to be a coach. It doesn't have to be a player. Just in general. Any, in general if you find it to be a habit definitely break out of it if you're a parent that does this just encourage your kids to speak for themselves I know it's kind of like it's a parent and we're not parents so we don't know I'm I'm going off of experience but it's it's normal for you to feel like right it's normal for you guys to just they're your babies they're your kids and you want to help them in every way that you can but you're not helping them by um being their voice um you're only hurting them. And just to kind of like um, segue into the next thing, we definitely want you guys to just be respectful. Thank the coaches for their time. They're taking, you know, time away from their family to be with you guys. Just keep that in mind. They are taking so much time away from their families um, and special time with them to be with you, to share knowledge, to educate you guys. So definitely um, always thank them. Um, And I would say, you know, ask questions, be coachable, be willing to um, adjust things. It shows that you want to learn. And the last thing would be follow up with them. Send them an email. Uh, You could even send them, you know, even if they don't answer the phone, send them a voicemail. my coach is probably going to kill me for saying that. Do not. Something else I thought of was like, you know, shout them out on Twitter or Instagram. That's such a cool way to, you know, like show that you're so thankful and still market yourself. Um, show that you're, you're working hard. You're going to camps and you got to join a, um, a UF camp or a Marshall camp or anything, whatever it is. I was going to say you're promoting them. Right. You're you're not only helping yourself, but you're helping out that school that you just attended. While we were talking about parents, I was thinking about something. And, you know, a lot of times parents will ask me, like, of lessons that I'm doing or even at camps, you know, what is something we can do to get our child ready for the next level yeah wherever that is yeah and I would say one of the biggest things that you can do as a parent is just teach them how to fail successfully and when I'm when I say that I mean when someone fails that they know that they can just get right back up dust themselves off and they're off to the races with no fear Mm -hmm. it's easier said than done especially if you've never had to do it until you get to college yeah and I mean, I wasn't fully prepared for it, but my parents did a great job with me. I'm going to be honest. I don't think anybody ever will. I don't, I honestly don't know that you could ever be prepared for 
Now, it depends on where you're going, obviously. But if you're expecting to play at the highest level, I don't know that there's um, really enough to prepare you. It's it's hard. The best ball players, the best, the the best of the best in anything, they are successful failures. Yeah. They fail successfully. And they have no fear when it comes to pressure. You know, I was talking about it one time, but one of your teammates actually said in the World Series, Amanda Lorenz Mm -hmm. made a comment and how pressure was a privilege. Yeah. And I remember hearing that and I was like, whoa. Like, it hits different. Like, that stuck with me. <laughs> yeah. Because it is. Pressure is a privilege. And when you, you approach mm-hmm. things and you approach failure and thrive off failure, that's when you see pressure as a privilege. Yeah. I, I always found kind of my biggest learning moments came from the times that I I failed, honestly. I learned the most when I did something wrong or... I went into college and I was that girl that I was scared to fail. I was scared to disappoint everyone that was supporting me. I was scared to disappoint my parents and my coaches. And I had to really dig deep and grow out of that. And it's tough. It's tough to feel like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. But guys, this is a game. Like, it's softball. I played this game for over a decade. And to go to work my butt off and then go to school and then feel like, it, it became not fun for me at one point. Like I didn't love softball anymore. And I really had to like take a step back and figure out how to love the game again. And it was just letting go, like being so like finding freedom in the fact that it's okay if I fail, it's okay because this is a game of failure. It's the, literally the only game that you can fail seven out of 10 times and be good. It's insane. Be great. Yeah. yeah. Not just good. <laughs> Be so, successful. I definitely, uh, something that stood out to me was Sam Shaw last year when we played Oklahoma State. Kenny Gajewski, the head coach, you know, was in a, a, com- a press conference after one of the games or something like that. And he said that he wanted... Sam always wanted to be in the position where she was she was not afraid to be the one that was going to lose the game for them. She wanted to be in that position. She's not afraid to lose the game for them. Yeah, it's like kind of gives you like the chills like, okay, cool. I was never I wasn't that player. I was like, no, I don't want to be the last out. No, and then it, it, it just took a while for me to get it does. It it really took up until my senior year to kind of feel that that fearlessness. Like it's okay. Like if let's take a chance. I might win this game, and if I don't, I'm still going to be. People are still going to love me. It's not going to matter. At, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't. You are yeah. It the moment that you associate your worth with you know your performance and results, that's when the love of the game will definitely fade for you. So don't be, you know, parents, let your kids fail, encourage them, lead them. Definitely don't do it for them. Um, Don't let your kids come to these camps or even at tournaments. Coaches are watching you guys. Stop carrying your kids stuff. Stop doing every little thing for them. They need to have, you know, their water with them before they even get there. They need to be prepared. That's something that seems so small, but it's just, I feel like it's getting worse as 
as as we get older, I see it more often than not. So let your kids be independent and and fail and do the wrong thing and look stupid because the more that they face that failure, it's like a little notch in their belt and they're going to look back and they're not going to really, it's not going to bother them anymore. They're going to say, oh, well, like it's not about not caring. It's not about, we definitely don't want you to be mediocre, but we want you guys to understand that there's a right way. Greatness takes failure. Right. There's a right way to win, right way to lose. And we just, that was one thing at UF. It was like, you're going to do everything the right way. I mean, our co- my coach at Marshall, you know, Megan Smith, she, she's been there for two seasons for me now. Well, a season and a half, I guess, if you count this year. But I truly didn't grasp the how effective it was to do it right mm-hmm. until I got with her. Because she preaches on, we're going to do it the right way. We're going to bust our tail day in, day out. We'll clock in. We'll clock out of work when we come to the field. But we're going to we're gonna do it the right way. We're not cutting corners. Right. At the end, it's going to be so much greater. Looking back. Cut corners. Yep. Yeah. It's such a long season. And when you look back and it's like you'll have this highlight reel in your mind, like, the days that you cut the corners or the days that you didn't give your best, it all, it, it, you know, all calculates in the end, it's going to add up. So, uh, definitely just, I like to say, have a championship mindset in everything that you do, expect greatness in every little thing that you do, not just softball, do it in school, do it at home, leave everything that you are Every person, every place you go, leave it better than you found it. And when you're at a level like Joe is, or even I am, you're competing with the best of the best. So act like it. You know what I mean? Act like you're competing with the best of the best. Absolutely. Okay, so now we're going to kind of go into our next part of the podcast. We want to talk about coaching changes because I feel like Maybe this isn't something that is talked about a lot. Um, I know that for me, it was my story is a lot different than Blakely's. But when I committed to UF, the coaches that I committed to, uh, one of them was no longer there when I got there. Coach Kenny Gajewski, like I talked about before, he coaches at Oklahoma State. He got the head coaching job at OSU and uh, prior to that, he was the one that was really um, the. I communicated with him the most out of the coaching staff at UF. Um, so while he didn't technically coach me, I still consider him my coach to this day. He's <laughs> such a great guy, and I feel like um, he's just one of those people that will always. I f- I feel like he imp- impacted me in a way that um, it's kind of not your typical, you know, coach. Like I didn't, he didn't coach me, but, um, (laughs) we built that relationship up through the process of me deciding to go to UF. And I was really sad when he went to Oklahoma state, but I was also super happy for him because it was just a great opportunity for his family and for him to get, you know, to have a head coaching position and, to really um, take a new opportunity and make a change for himself. I thought it was cool. I think it's still cool to this day. 
Um, and he'll always be just a great guy to me, like someone I really, really am thankful for. And then my, um, after my sophomore year, uh, Jen Rocha, she was our pitching coach. She decided to go to Oklahoma and got a job there. Um, and that one was a little bit, um, I don't know, I guess more unexpected for me and, and different because I did get to be in the bullpen with her and I got to learn from her and uh, really interact or interact with her, not only on the field, but off the field. She's such an amazing person and she always encouraged me spiritually, which was something that I will always uh, love the most about her. Um, she loves Jesus and you can see that in everything that she does. Um, and then, (laughs) yeah, but it's just, it's cool. It's sad to see your coaches go, but at the same time we had Eric Thomas come in and take uh, coach Kenny's position and, and really impact our lineup in an amazing way. He is the best hitting coach that I've probably ever uh, gotten to learn from. Um, just the amount of things that I learned at UF, when it came to my swing was insane. And, and I felt like he really contributed, contributed to that. And then having coach Bosch come in um, to take Rocha's spot was really cool. Just learning from a female and then a male and he played right. softball. Um, so it was, it's cool. Like it's weird um, and sad, but it's nice to get different perspectives from people. So. Yeah. I was going to say too, you know, like, with every coaching staff that I've had, and I've had very many coaching changes, (laughs) but every single one I gained something from. Yeah. Whether or not it was something I liked, whether I didn't like, I I absolutely put another notch on my belt because of them. Yeah. So I have a lot to thank for the coaching staffs that I have had. And like when you were talking about coaches leaving and stuff, it made me think about, you know, it's extremely important to have a relationship with a coach. That's like, I, I think it's, top-notch you should have it but I also think that you don't just solely commit to a coach you commit to a school and a program and what it stands for and a culture also a culture yeah a culture and that's because you have to understand this is a business at the end of the day it's your coach's livelihood they are banking on a bunch of 18 to 22 year old kids typically yeah on their livelihood So, and when you think about it that way, it's hard, but at the same time, you just have to, you know, thank them for the opportunity that they've given you to have the time that they Mm -hmm. have given and take your notch and go on. You know what I mean? You can't hold a grudge about it. Um, I just think it's, it's really, really, really important to be bought into a culture of a place. Um, it's a great word, (laughs) but so like you, you said, I've had a ton of coaching changes. Yes. I've actually, my first three years of college, I had three different staffs. So my freshman year, I went to USC Upstate. And honestly, the best way I can say it is that it just wasn't a right good fit for me. I learned so much at Upstate, though. I would not, would not be the ball player that I am today if I hadn't have gone to USC Upstate and been under the coaching staff that I did extremely intelligent, extremely intelligent when it comes to the game of softball, knows how to train their ball players. It's a great program. It's always successful. Um, I'm thankful that they gave me the opportunity to be there a year. But after my freshman year, I got my release and I started traveling. I came home to Florida. 
my dad and I basically traveled almost every single weekend for pickup tournaments to try to get in front of coaches. And um, I remember I was playing at this tournament in Chattanooga and I had emailed this coach and it was one of the craziest things. I mean, Jordan can attest to this, but I emailed the coach. They came out and watched me play. I was pickup playing with the team and I had the best day of my life. I think in like the first game, I went four for four with three home runs and a triple. It was like I had a grand slam, um, a solo and a double home run. So I was like, I was seeing it like a beach ball. It was mm-hmm. insane. Had a great day at third, played third, didn't, I mean, had a couple balls hit to me. It wasn't anything crazy. I walked up to her after the game, shook her hand, you know, thanked her for her, for her time of coming out and watching me play. And I will never forget it, but she just looked at me and she was just like, I just, I don't think you'd be a good fit. And I remember coming home and like, getting in the car and just being like, well, <laughs> just like if they're not going to take away. me after yeah. that day, I was just like, well, maybe this is not something I need to be doing. Maybe this is not God's plan for me. Yeah. Like maybe this is why I'm not at upstate. Like maybe this is the plan. And I remember thinking about it and praying about it and just being like, no, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm just going to try it out for the rest of the summer. If I don't get anything, then, you know, it's God's will. Yeah. So, I kept playing tournaments, and USC Upstate actually used to be in the Atlantic Sun Conference, which was also Jacksonville University's conference. So Jen Steele was the head coach there at the time, and she had actually just gotten a new job at Marshall University. So she called me. She was like, heard, like, you're in the portal, this, that, and the other. Would you be interested in coming to West Virginia? And so I went to a clinic. She watched me um, hit and like timed home to home, all the, the basics basically. And she was like, well, I can't promise you anything. I have no idea if I have a third baseman. I have no idea what I have on a team. And I just kind of looked at her and I was like, listen, I I need an opportunity. I don't need a promise. I need, I need you to tell me that you're going to, you're going to give me an opportunity. And if I don't take care of that opportunity, then that's on me. I'm not looking for a promise. Right. And so I went up there, I toured the school and just fell in love with Marshall. I fell in love with the atmosphere. I fell in love with the the feel of the campus and everything, the memorial and all. And I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, we are Marshall, you absolutely need to see it. It's got Matthew McConaughey in it. It's an, he's an eye looker and it's a great movie. So he's so (laughs) basically, but I mean, if you don't know the story of Marshall, Marshall had a terrible, terrible, tragic accident in 1970, the plane crash went down and Everybody on board was their lives were lost and it was a terrible situation. But you know what? It gave Marshall the feel of what Marshall is now. Um, We just have so much support from the locals and just really anybody who has graduated from Marshall or has been there, lived there, whatever it might be. It's just it's just a family. Feel I always joke around, I'm like, if you want an SEC college (laughs) feel like it games and stuff like that with fans and autographs and all I, that I will be attending a Marshall football game oh, I'm so this year I will try hopefully if if football happens I'm gonna be yeah, there you definitely do you definitely need to come for our 75 game that would be so fun 
it is just an awesome feel, but with a hometown, small town feel at the same time. Like, you know, people's name, they know your name and it's, it's just, it's an awesome place. Well, I went my sophomore year and I remember it was move-in day. I actually signed my NLI that summer, the end of July. And I'm pretty sure I moved in, I think it was like August 12th to the dorms. So it was like a couple weeks, if that, from my transition. (laughs) I didn't know anybody on the team. I had no idea who I was living with. I was living in a dorm in a double dorm, basically, where you live basically six inches next to somebody. And I remember KK walked in, my roommate, who's been my roommate for three years now. um, She's from South um, South Carolina. She's from <laughs> California and she looks like a beach babe. She's a pitcher. She's got long blonde hair. She's beautiful. And I was just like, hi, my name's Blakely. I'm a transfer. <laughs> I'm your roommate. Like, and KK is very quiet and to herself. And I am obviously not. So it was awesome though. We became great friends. I would say she's one of my best friends. She's going to be in my wedding in next year. And I just, I'm so thankful that Marshall brought me her. And I played my junior year with Megan Smith, who came in and was the staff after Jen Steele. And I, for lack of a better term, she just kind of like flipped my world over because she was just a well, she's a well-rounded coach. She's got it all, honestly. She knows how to communicate to communicate with people and get on a personal level with someone, but also being a great leader, mm-hmm. just a great leader that also knows how to play. <laughs> I mean, she's she's probably more athletic than I am, and I I'm know. 22 years old. It's it's like insane, that. but she's just awesome. And I mean, Corey Lyon came in with her, and um, Maddie Holub. Who's a who's a great pitching coach? Super young, but I mean, way ahead in her years and knowledge of the game. It's just I just had the best of both worlds, and for me to be able to have them for two years and now a third year is just unbelievable Special. to me. Yeah, yeah, it's I think unbelievable. It's, it's very cool to just realize how much we didn't know about the game before we went to college. What we oh, thought we knew. It's think, almost scary. I know. I mean. <laughs> Playing for Coach Walton was just like a, it was, it was insane. Like, honestly, he's probably the smartest coach that I've ever played for. I remember one year we played um, Liberty. We went to the Disney, what's it called? ESPN Worldwide. Wild World of Sports. And we literally, I mean, they were beating us, but we beat them because they um, substituted twice illegally. And yeah, we caught it both times. She didn't catch it. It was honestly the coolest thing that I've ever seen um, because that's just how into the game that he is and how much our staff is into the game. And it was the craziest thing. But man, I learned so much, not just about my position, but other positions as well and he really made you kind of take in every aspect of the game even if you weren't you know the best base runner he was like you may not be fast which I'm not I'm very very slow he would remind me every single day I'm like I know you don't have to tell me but 
I never, get it. <laughs> yeah, he never let me make excuses for myself whenever I was on the bases. And I made plenty of mistakes, but he was like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're slow. You need to be smart. Smart base runners win games. And yep, absolutely. I, I know we'll we'll probably get into a bunch of that stuff later on, but just to learn from someone like that who's been in the game for so many years, it just it gives me so much confidence whenever I, I know you know, I'll eventually start coaching. I feel like I've gotten just, I've been so prepared. Um, so I'm sure you feel like that too. You feel so oh prepared, gosh, especially yeah. not just I'm, learning from your coach now, but the coaches that you played with before. And even always being a person that is learning the game, like oh, yeah. always. You're never too old to learn. No. And always taking knowledge. Anytime anybody wants to give you insight, like, I'm that player that, like, if coach is talking to outfielders, I'm, I'm like, I'm yes. listening. Because yes. I, not that I'm being nosy, but at the same time, like, I just want to know the knowledge that she's giving them. So maybe one day either I can use it mm-hmm. in some way or I can pass it on to someone else. That's exactly how I was. Because I knew I wanted to coach one day. And, I, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, I could care less how this girl catches this out you know, catches this ball in the outfield or runs in the outfield. But at the end of the day, I'm like, well, I could use this. I could teach someone this. Even if I've never done it, I could definitely teach it because I've seen it and I know how it's supposed to be done. So if you're someone that is, you know, kind of on the same path as Blakely and I, and you want to coach one day or, you know, you want to be able to spread that knowledge, just listen, listen to if you're a be catcher, a student listen, of the game. Yes. Like learn pitches, learn, you know, the correct way to field the ball, whether you're at first shortstop in the outfield, whatever it is. Teach yourself how to hit fungo. Oh yeah. I have to learn how to do that for camps. But But, it's definitely cool just to learn from different people and different perspectives. You know, something that I've always said, and my dad has always said it also is like, you want to live up to your God given ability. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You don't, want to fall short and your your career be done one day and look back and go what if what if I'd only done this 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 and this and I feel like to a certain extent you're always going to have that there's situation you You know what I mean but at the same time you want to look back and you want to go you know what I lived up to my God-given ability because I put myself in this situation I solely invested into this and at the end of the day, you can hang your hat on that, you know? That's right. I mean, records are great. Breaking records are great. Winning championships are great. Rings are great. But at the end of the day, my relationship with God throughout this, and for someone to at the end of the day say, you know what? She played the game right. I can tell that <laughs> that she had the love of Jesus in her heart while she did it. But at the same time, she was extremely Preach. competitive. Preach. And <laughs> she lived up to her God-given ability. Yeah. She did it and I can hang my hat on that yeah I had to send in a video today for athletes unlimited some content and things like that and it's honestly you know what I every time I have an interview or anything like that I always get asked this why did I choose UF and it's easily just where do you feel like God's calling you where you can be a servant leader where you can be used where you can grow spiritually and where you can hopefully help someone else grow spiritually. Um, by far, the f- most favorite, you know, my favorite thing about coming here is meeting my roommates. 
specifically <laughs> Katie Chronister. Um, Katie got saved this past year. She started coming to church with me. It really wasn't her thing. Um, and it was something that as we, we lived together our entire four years, it was just something that was on my heart. I'm like, I would encourage her to come. And eventually when I found a church here that I really loved, Canvas in Alachua, we started going together. And I think, you know, it's it's so fun to just see your friends blossom and grow and just love Jesus. Like, It just, it makes your heart happy. It yes. makes your heart all fuzzy because I had a situation like that and I won't tell her name because she probably would kill me for just shouting her out on this. <laughs> But I was eating dinner at Backyard Pizza in Huntington. And if any of my Huntington people are listening, my Marshall people, you know how good Backyard is. It's like fantastic pizza. So we're sitting there waiting to be seated. And then we were just talking. And all of a sudden, she was just like, you know, I just really would love to know more about Jesus. And like, because I did not grow up in a situation where I was told everything. Like, I don't know the children's stories of mm-hmm. this, like this, the Your Bible stories, stories that you hear growing up. Yeah. Right. And I was like, girl, mm-hmm. I have known you for three years. Like, yes. Okay. Let's let sit down. Let's Jesus. go get, let me tell you about Jesus right now. And I was so excited after that conversation. And if she hears this, she's going to giggle. But it just made me so happy it made me you know the reason like okay this is why I was supposed to come to Marshall yes it's not for putting the uniform on all the games that I've played the championships that I've won the records that I've broken all of it is not the reason this conversation right here right now at this table is why I'm here and the nail on the head honey oh my gosh it is the coolest most best feeling I can I mean like I'm so excited even just talking about it but that's when I was like oh man Marshall saved me that Marshall saved me because it gave me that Marshall saved you and it saved someone else honestly oh I love that I want to put that on a (laughs) t-shirt like that that's the reason though guys like that is the reason I actually had a situation also when I was playing one time I had one of our conference teams, like one of the people we were playing in our conference, a girl messaged me and was like, Hey, like I got this friend, you know, that she's going through this stuff. And like, when we played you, you just truly like, I could tell you wore your heart on your sleeve and you know, you love Jesus. And like, I just had these questions and I know we're, we're like rivals, but I just, I don't know. I just felt called to ask you this. And I was just like, Oh yeah. Like, I was so excited when I got that message. Because that's the reason why we do it. Yeah. That's the reason. I have a, some of you, well, most of you probably know Aubrey Monroe. Um, She started Church on the Dirt with some other of her friends. Um, Michelle Moultrie, she's a part of it as well. But they came to Gainesville and we did a little retreat. And we had about six girls. Katie came with me. There were girls from Florida State. There were girls from, uh, USF like it was just a mixture of girls from different schools we had all played against each other and it was honestly the most wholesome experience just sitting in a room together talking about Jesus we were there for like six hours it was honestly just the best Mm. experience and we literally it's awesome because you're just kind of letting down that guard you're letting softball bring you closer to people and closer to God 
and and we didn't care who we played for. We didn't care, you know, right. who won that one time or who got that. Like it didn't matter. It didn't matter. I think that's just a cool experience and, and advice that we can give you guys. Whatever you're doing, if you're Let not doing your it, pedestal, yeah. If you're not doing it for pure love of for Jesus, and you you want to glorify Him in everything that you do. There's nothing um, fulfilling for you there. Nothing. Oh, yeah. Mm. Not That's good. You. There's so many times <laughs> that I thought the game was going to fulfill me in the way that I, I needed it to, but it was really just um, the the memories, the people, the, the things that could contribute to my testimony. And, honestly, and you, can, you can love the game and be competitive and compete and win. And be scrappy yeah. while still loving Jesus. <laughs> and still be gritty, be tough. Proclaiming his name yeah. through everything that you do. Um, I think that sometimes people kind of see a gray area there and there really isn't. No. There is not a gray area. It can be done. Because I do it. Likely I do it. And it. if you ask any of my teammates, I bet they would be like, Yeah, she's insane. She's crazy. But you know what? She loves Jesus. Well, gosh, I would hope they would say that. But you know you what do. I mean? Like you love Jesus you, and you love your people. Yeah. And I think and that it, just shows like if you're loving on your people that are around you, that's, that's enough to show that like God is love. Okay. And if you can't oh. love everyone around you, then you know, you're not really living. You're for wasting God. your time. Yeah. <sighs> wow. Man. Good stuff. Jeff. I know. Good stuff. But we, we just enjoy coming on here and just sharing these stories because, I mean, they're not anything crazy, but I feel like they can help you guys in any situation at all. Um, and we're always here if you guys ever have questions or anything like that. Um, Please message us. We love to hear what you have to say, even if you're just telling us a story that yeah. happened. We would love to hear it. Joe and I haven't played together since high school. Mm. So this is kind of our way of coming, coming back. Yep. Everything is literally just coming full circle for us because we started together and it's kind of like we're finishing together in a way, yep. um, not on the field, but talking about the things that we truly love about this game. And we want to bring people onto our podcast that care about, you know, other things besides sports that just find success in their own uh, in their own way and how they choose to live their life for God and glorify him through the things that they love to do and their passions. Absolutely. Um, so we decided that we wanted to start doing something new every um, time we have a podcast, we want to close out in prayer. So that's what we're going to do. So we're going to close out in prayer and, um, we thought this would just be a cool way to kind of like bring everything together and just remind you guys that no matter what you're doing, whether you're listening because you're a softball player, whether you're listening because you're a mom, um, a coach, whatever it is, um, or whatever you're doing, God should be at the center of it all. Like he is the most important thing and he takes care of his people. Yes. I'm a firm believer y'all like with everything that has happened in my life and my story and my situation, God has taken care of me when I have truly given it to him. When I have truly said, 
I'm not worrying about this because I know that there is a plan for me and you have this plan. Yep. Absolutely. I'm telling you it works. I'm telling you. So Blakely, do you want to close us out? I sure can. Okay. Dear God, thank you for allowing us to be able to use this platform to speak to one another. And I ask that this helps people. I ask that it touches them. I ask that they get something from this because I sure am. I enjoy doing this and I am just so blessed that you have given Jordan and I an opportunity to share the knowledge that we have and that what we gained from our years of playing ball and not just that, just just playing life, I guess. Um, I ask that you keep everyone safe. That is listening to this podcast. I ask that they have a great, the rest of the week and that they tune in next week. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, we'll see you guys next week. We love you guys. Mwah. We out. <laughs>